Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and joining me today to talk some She Believes Cup is the one, the only, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Taylor. This should be a fun combo. It, it's cool to see these international and pretty big international games happening again. It feels it feels nice, right? It feels like a, like some semblance of normalcy. There were, I think, there were yeah, there were fans there yesterday. Not a lot, but enough that yeah. you got a little bit of an atmosphere. You were not there though, right? You've been no. doing she believes in the past. You were what the 2018 host? Is that correct? I've been a host since it started, which oh, wow. is wild. And and um, I'm doing something virtually through with She Believes Cup, which is nice to kind of still be a part of it. But it feels strange not being in the stadium, especially Ex- Exploria Stadium in Orlando. They typically have a game down there. So it's like that's kind of my March home. I go I go there end of February, beginning of March every single year. And that's just kind of how I roll. How from what you've heard, how are players dealing with the sort of. The differences in the tournament, in the format, in the atmosphere overall, has it changed much in terms of their preparation or how they're approaching these games? Oh, gosh, Taylor, I, I think there's changes, uh, of course, in in what they have to do from a, a medical standpoint. Mm-hmm. But these players are focused, man. Like they they are they know what it takes to especially in a year. It, it's a it's a big year. It's an Olympic year. The the U.S. Women's National Team has never won a World Cup and then the next year won an Olympics. And so this team, I feel like, is more focused than ever to be that team who does that. And so during these tournaments, I would say maybe the one thing that is a little bit different is you can't really get outside your bubble. They mm-hmm. would normally be able to go to coffee or dinner or, or, or yeah. get out a little bit, right, and break up the days. I don't think they have that same type of um, – leniency in their schedule but they're focused and I don't think I don't think anything can change at the end of the day what this team wants if you're talking about the U.S. Women's National Team like (laughs) they want to win everything and they want to win it big and um you know I think we saw that last night a little disappointment in in the result even even winning. Yeah, right? Yeah, I think w- winning ugly is what maybe Becky Sauerbrunn said. I want to talk about that game but I want to talk about that mentality first that you mentioned because like, I was wondering that if do you think there is a difference with this team if it's a friendly versus she believes versus like going to the Olympics? Or do you think pr- pretty much across the board, it's the same level of focus and, and intensity from being in there in those moments in training camps? Every single practice is like. Beyond a level that, you know, is possible. These players are so focused on not only being the best themselves and being able to show that to each other as teammates, but pulling that out of, out of one another as well. And that's why, that's why this culture is the best in the world. That's why this team has been the best of the world for as long as they have been, or at least, you know, even in some of those times where they weren't winning the world cup and then they would win the Olympics. They were, they were always in that top three, I would say they are, um, you know, I, I think that you have to have a little bit of, this this is a bad way to say it but like a screw loose where you're just a little bit psycho about like getting better (laughs) at things and I had that when I played and so I think I can say that 
because you would do anything to get better. You would do anything to win. And I, I don't think that that changes depending on if it's a training or if it's a game. And that's why they continue to get better. How do you think they keep that from boiling over, though? Because that yeah. level of intensity in training, I feel like it easily leads to trash talk, which easily easily leads to hurt feelings or anger yeah. or maybe an aggressive challenge back. Like, how do you think right. they they balance that out? It's leadership. It, you know, it has to be. And I think with Vlaco coming in, he respects the culture that has always been there, which is intense. But he also understands that in order to have that level of intensity, there has to be a respect and a mutual respect between players in order to say, hey, we're going to push each other. But at the end of the day, we're going to care for each other as humans. And um, I, I think that that has always been there. And with Vlaco in there and now Becky Sauerbrunn as the captain, I do think that they're leading even the veterans are leading from a space where, um, you know, it's it's difficult because you want all the playing time, right? You're you're the professional and you want to start and you want to score the goals and you want to do all the things. But it's also difficult as a team sport to be able to manage that that me mentality with a, a we mentality. And I think that they do have that ability to. Uh, it's not always balanced, but they're always both there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what is important in their culture is yeah. they do have a grander idea of what is important. And then with Vlatko, in terms of his communication style, is it pretty like is he an arm around the shoulder sort of coach? Is he a hey, do better Ooh. sort of manager? Like from from your experience or from what you know of him, how like how does he communicate with his players? Well, that's a good question. I'm not I'm not quite sure I could answer that from I haven't talked to many players about that. So I would want to know what they have to say. But I I do know as everybody I've known that's played for Vlaco, even when I was playing and I was um, I wanted to get traded from from Washington Spirit, I needed a a change of scenery. Like the only coach in NWSL I wanted to play for was Vlaco. Really? Because everything people had said about him, like he challenges you, but he knows the he knows he can expect a lot out of you. But also felt like he really cherished his players as people. And um, so I do think that he does a good job of knowing who you are and pulling the best out of you, which isn't always comfortable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it might be, it might be an arm around the shoulder, but it might be a little bit, it might be a little more gritty than that. But um, I do know that I, I have not met one person who doesn't enjoy playing for Vlaco. Let me ask you this then, like, like, uh, I'm going to go, have you seen Moneyball? The Oh gosh, I have. It's been but... a while for, yeah. Uh, yeah, but like, this is the best way I can explain it is like in that, uh, I want to ask basically about how he deals with players and interacting with the players in that, like, uh, Brad Pitt's character, Billy Bean talks about like, just tell them the truth, like tell them what's going on. Let the player know for you when you were a player, like if there was a like, yeah, we're trading you or like, yeah, we're not starting you this game. Like, do you want to be told why or in that moment, if you are sort of that, if there's that competitive energy there, do you just want to hear I'm not starting and I'm going to go process it and we'll deal with it later? Like what sort of communication did you prefer when you were a player? Oh, me. I always want to know why. I okay. still want to know why. Like <laughs> in, in my job, if the the thing that I hate the most when I'm doing, a, you know, whether it's with my podcasts or calling a game for the crew the, the thing that I hate the most is like, oh, you did a good job. I'm like, I clearly didn't do everything right, right? Like, I want to get better. So I feel like I like kind of crave that um, those moments where I hear the truth so I can get better. And so, yeah, I, w- I would want to know the truth. Like, you're not starting because 
X, Y, Z. And it might have to do with me. It might have to do with the way the team is setting up or the opponent is setting up. But yeah, I definitely want to know. Are there players like you don't necessarily have to name names. I'm just curious. Are there are there players who are more receptive to that when it comes to the national team for being told, yeah, you're not starting this game. We'll see if we get you in next game. Or are there some players who are going to be, I don't know, like throwing water bottles and and kind of like (laughs) emotional for a little bit, angry for a little bit? Because I just imagine how competitive that team is. You are going to have tempers run hot. And that's. You know, we talk about managers of, of big clubs and big teams. That's that's really what they're doing. Yep. I mean, they're coaching, but they're they're really managing egos and and um, individual desires. So I I think that's a huge part of the job. I'm not. I, I don't think any of those players are mm-hmm. going to throw water bottles. I laughed because I did have a teammate once, like to get taken off the field when I was with the Spirit, and she destroyed the locker room. And it was <laughs> like. I had never experienced something like that in my life. Um, so that's why I laughed. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's why I laughed. But this team, I do think um, there's not – I don't think they like hold grudges, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I think that they're always – when you have a growth mindset, you're always looking at whatever happens to you is going to get you make you better. And I think whether they start or they don't start, um, these players say, okay, well, I got to figure out a way to be better mm-hmm. next. I think perfect example is Carly Lloyd, right? Uh, all the talk with her going into the World Cup in 2019, there was a lot of chat about her not starting and she was upset about that. And now you look at Carly Lloyd in this new position. She's super fit. She um, was a terror for Canada, I felt like, in the first 25, 30 minutes, just high-pressing them like mad. Yeah. And you see her adapt. And I think that's what this team is. Right. It's, yeah. it's that growth mindset. Well, yeah, it's just I find them to be like one of the more fascinating teams that I've yes. like covered or like had reason to root for, but also just pay attention to because like you hear the stories about the old Manchester United teams and there was this ruthlessness that sort of risked tearing apart the team at times and Roy Keane yeah. being this like do better or else mentality. And I'm sure that exists with the national team at times, but you just don't hear about it. And it's this incredibly competitive team that are so successful with these massive personalities, but they mm. seem to balance it so well. And I think that is, it's a testament so cool. to the players and the managers. Yeah. But yeah, fundamentally, it's just kind of an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It just, it does feel like there should be some psychology study that um, would teach us a lot about team dynamics and culture within this group. Yeah, right? I, I think going back even into the 90s and yeah. how they've sustained that and, and adapted it and grown it even over the last, gosh, 30 years. Man. All right. That's an episode for another day. But for okay, now, yes, but, <laughs> let, let's talk about that Canada game you mentioned. Let's start with Carly Lloyd, since you uh, you already talked about her a little bit. Uh, did not get on the score sheet, certainly tried to, to do so. Uh, what did you make of Carly Lloyd's uh, performance up top for the U.S.? I liked her up there. Honestly, I feel like, and it'll be interesting to see, when I'm watching these games, Taylor, I'm also looking and thinking about how does this work in a olympic style tournament where you're playing games rather quickly on top of each other mm-hmm. so carly lloyd could start but she could also come off the bench and provide something and i think that there's a mixture of that that could be a possibility for her i thought she did well i was really impressed with her ability to read when canada was trying to play out of the back and high pressing and uh, almost getting them caught in the corners of the field or putting the the goalkeeper under so much pressure that they would just have to give away the ball 
deep in the the U.S.'s attacking zone. So I I liked her ability to high press. I think um, going forward, one of the things I would like to see, since she is a midfielder, I would like to, her to see, play a little bit more of, um, I don't know, I, I, people say false nine, but but come into the midfield. Because I think when you do have Katarina Macario and mm-hmm. Lindsay Horan just underneath, or even Rose Lavelle, if Carly Lloyd comes off the back line and occupies that space in between the back line and the midfield and really makes them have to make decisions, there's going to be running paths for Katarina and Lindsay and Rose and Sam Mewis that I think are going to be, a, it's going to be a dynamic that's going to be hard for other teams to have to figure out and then defend. Yeah. So that's like a little something that I'm like, okay, maybe now come back a little bit more, right? Come yeah. back and get the ball in the midfield. Like she's so, has been so good at all, all her career. I'm glad you, you took us in this direction. Cause I feel like I should pull back a little bit to ask broadly speaking, not even like, did you think it was a good game, but uh-huh. what are, what are you watching this tournament for with the national team? Because they, they tend to do pretty all right in the She Believes Cup. They tend to win mm-hmm. a lot of their games. So are you looking for nuances? Are you looking for new faces? Are you looking for new positions or lots of different things? What is it that you're particularly paying attention to with She Believes? With this year, mm-hmm. it's going from a roster of 23 solid players from the World Cup. Uh, gosh, it'll be two years ago when, when the Olympics actually happened. What? Those 23... Oh yeah, God. isn't that weird? What? <laughs> I know, I shouldn't have said that. Huh? Oh, boy, all right. Woo, okay. Uh, two years that has felt like 80, but also I was like, like no, they won the World Cup like really six quick. months ago. Jeez. Okay, all right, cool. Anyway. Uh, so so taking those 23 players and then you add on to that, yeah. um, Sophia Smith and Lynn Williams and... Um, Casey Short, oh, Casey Kruger now is her new last name. These other players who could potentially, Midge Purse, who could potentially push into this lineup or this these this roster. So you're adding players to that, but in the end of the day, Taylor, you have to drag it down to 18 players. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge thing. So I think, one, I, w- I wish all the games were going to be as competitive as this game against Canada because this is where you learn the most and this is where you figure out if certain combinations work. And so I really enjoyed this first game because uh, you got to see, this is our first chance seeing Katarina Macario in a situation where the level was probably higher than she's ever played. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because now she's she's playing in France and she's competing there, but this was even an... an a little bit more and a little bit more um, decision-making on her part. So you get to see players like that. So I do, I do want to see these newer players to the roster and see how they work in combination with other players. Um, And this is an example. So when I watched the game yesterday, I saw a significant difference between the left side of the United States attack and the right side of the United States attack. I don't know if you noticed that. I, I, I will say I did not, but I was also not paying probably as, as right. good of attention as I should have been. I did have a crying baby for moments, so that, I'm going to oh, let right, myself right. off the hook a little okay. bit, but I want to hear now. Tell me more, please. You get a pass. Thank you. And, and this is why I found that distinction. So you have Crystal Dunn as your left outside back, and you have Midge Purse as your right outside back. I really like Midge Purse. Yep. I think she has a really good trajectory of growth, potential, all that. All that. But the movement patterns of the left side were fluid. As the ball switched from the right to the left, Lindsay Horan would peel herself out into the white, the left channel. Crystal Dunn comes inside. Megan Rapino comes inside. So Lindsay's almost in this space where 
she's occupying all, all herself. On the other hand, if she comes inside, then Crystal goes around her. They just move and flow off each other so fluidly because they played together game in and game out, and they know those patterns. On the right side, you could tell that Midge was trying to find, figure that out, trying to figure out, okay, how do I re read this person and how you even saw Abby Dahlkemper sometimes pointing and telling Midge where to go, which is awesome, right? Because you have to have those experiences in order to get to the next level and understand uh, positioning in certain moments of the game. But if you don't get those opportunities, you're never going to be able to build. So I liked that Midge first was in there. I liked that she had to try to figure it out. And so it's hard when you're in these, these years where you don't know how many games you're going to have before the Olympics but you understand that, okay, Mitch Purse might be our right outside back or might be a player that we need to, to play in there. We have to give her opportunities to build that repertoire of fluidity on the field with the players in front of her. It occurs to me now that, like, yeah, the left side, very established down the line, especially coming yeah. from the Joe Ellis era. Looking at that right side, even with Lynn Williams on the right, certainly a veteran national team player, but not like yes. the nailed on starter every time and Katarina Macario behind her and then Midge Purse. Do you feel like that was a deliberate thing from Vlatko to have a very established, familiar one huh. side and then a new other side, basically? I don't know. That's a good question because the, the midfielders do have some movement within mm -hmm. the way that they play. Um, I just noticed Lindsay more on the, the left, so maybe she was recognizing that she could really do damage with her movements over there and the players around her. So maybe she, she herself floated over to that space a little bit more. Um, but that's a good question. You know, it did seem a little bit more solid when you bring Lo Rose Lavelle in right on the right side, then there's some more additional attack that came onto the right side because of her knowledge of just picking apart defenses. When you have a player in front of you, say you're an outside back and you have a player in front of you who makes decisive decisions it's easier for you to make your decision and I feel like Rose's movements just have a little bit more of that than than Katarina which again she's young and she's yeah. phenomenal and I'm so excited she's on the U.S. team but she she needs to continue to grow into those movements I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I think uh for any number of reasons I probably am, am less like up to date with everything happening with the women's national team right now and I think turning on that game I, I definitely, you can hear it in the preview I did with Meredith Cash. You can hear it when Joe and I were talking about uh, this game on stereo last night that, like, I thought this might be 5 0. I thought this yeah. might be a blowout. And I think with the U.S. women's national team, it, that is an easy thing to do. You just assume they're going to win every single game. So when they don't, it becomes almost like I, I was more negative, I think, about this game than I expected to be. There were moments where I felt like. I will. I'll say Megan Rapino at times felt very like don't like don't you know who I am? Like I'm I'm doing a step over now. I will get by you, and I and and I think I was sort of focusing more on the negatives. So it's nice to hear somebody who I think has much more familiarity with the team looking at the specific things that can be worked mm -hmm. on because that's so much more useful. Basically, this is just me saying you're awesome and thanking you for that because I think <laughs> it's so easy to talk about yeah. this team from when they destroy teams. But totally. it's harder when things don't always go their way. And I I loved that. I, I was working last night during the game. And so I did like a halftime talk and a post-game talk for Visa and She Believes Cup, which was so fun. I was with Nicole, Nicole Barnhart. And um, I, I had the same feeling. I was like, I love this game. Like, there are so many things that you can learn from a game where an opponent has come prepared. I thought this was the best Canada side I have seen in years. And I thought they were organized. I understood um, 
especially the outside backs understood not to get too engaged with the wingers and to protect the space behind. And I was super impressed by Vanessa Zeal, the one of the center backs, this young girl, second cap. She was phenomenal. I just felt like Canada, you have to give Canada credit for what they did. And so for me, if I'm the U.S. team and I'm looking towards an Olympics, I'm saying, okay, those Columbia games are great, right? We smashed the team. We're scoring a lot of goals. Everybody's kind of sharing the wealth. But we need this game to get better. We need this game to understand that when we're defending in a mid block, there might be some more space next to Julie Ertz that we got to figure out how to protect. That was one of the big things I noticed too defensively yeah. for the U.S. And so um, I don't know. I was I was excited about that game, and um, but I understand the sentiment of being like, oh man, they should just win for three to nothing. Well, I'll- I want to stick with Canada then for a second because we don't have Aaron McLeod, we don't have Diana Matheson, and certainly no Christine Sinclair either. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people, myself included, were sort of like, oh, they don't have these veterans. It's a young team. They're going to struggle. And now I kind of find myself wondering, is the absence of veterans almost a strength for them because it allows them to try different stuff to get new faces in? To some extent, I wonder if Latka was maybe looking at that squad and thinking like, oh, there's, there are ways to get some veterans maybe not in the squad and some newbies in there. Like, I think it was really interesting, that Canada team we saw. Yeah, and maybe not what they would have chosen, right? Yeah. But I think in the end of the day, you have to figure out a way to compete. And I was really impressed with a lot of those youngsters. Uh, Jade Riviere, uh, the outside right back, was so good. Mm-hmm. It, really, their back line was solid and not only deciding when to step and drop, but I thought Chapman was great on the left side. There, there were there were players who had a veteran presence within mm-hmm. that squad, but I do feel like there was some youngsters who were, were given this opportunity, and you know maybe have played against the U.S. Like Jade and um, Deanna Rose, had, had they, she's played against the U.S. before, but I think they came out with more confidence, knowing like we they felt more organized in their almost four five one defensive block, and they were willing to try things. I mean, can you imagine being Canada playing out of the back with the amount of high pressure that the U.S. did? And they, nope. they did it really well sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that greenness of saying, OK, I'm going to try this. Like, this isn't the end of the world if I if I make a mistake. But my coach has confidence in us trying new things. I think bringing some of those youngsters in allows for that. But if they could choose to have Christine Sinclair on the field, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think they'd choose it. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. So what, what, do you, what would you like to see from this game carried over to the USA's next game against Brazil? Would you like to see a sort of similar lineup and see what they do with a bit more experience? Do you want to see different uh, faces? Are there like trends or tactics or approaches that you want to see replicated in that Brazil game? Yeah, I, I, I do want to see... I would like to see Midge Purse play again because I do think there's so much upside to what she could bring to that outside back position because she is a converted forward. Mm-hmm. Like she has the that forward mentality, and especially against a Brazil team who does look more organized under Pia Sunhaje. Sunhaje, I always struggle with her last name. That's I shouldn't just say. It. I just I'm going to say call her Pia. Yeah, Coach Pia. Uh, under Pia, they look <laughs> yeah. more organized. It just makes you sound like you're more of an insider. You're like, oh, me and Pia. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. true, true, true. <laughs> um, they're more organized defensively, but still, Brazil is not known for their defensive prowess. So, you know, they're attacking, creative, yeah. all, all the things you think of when you think of Brazil. And so, I think playing Midge again, you might have more opportunities for her to get forward and gain some confidence in the types of runs she wants to make going forward. Um, I I think you have to start Rose Lavelle and and mix it up a little bit. 
and and maybe even just see Rose with Katarina Macario. Does that combination work? Um, very similar, some similarities in the way that they play. But uh, I don't know. You're trying to figure out the best combinations. And then lastly, the goalkeeper. I do think that um, Alyssa is the number one. But if something were to happen, you need you need more experience in your number two goalkeeper and your number three goalkeeper. So um, giving Jane Campbell an opportunity to play against a team like Brazil, I think would be really, really beneficial for her. And then like I, to go back to like the Canada performance in the negative, like I, I feel like I kept seeing individuals trying to like to beat people or I would see passes that would go out of bounds or were just a little bit astray. How much of that do you think is rustiness for this team? How much of it do you yeah. think is them trying new things? And, and was to some extent maybe a little bit of it just having a bad performance at times? I thought about that yesterday because one thing that the U.S. has had a benefit of over, gosh, I don't even know how many years, is they play a lot of games. They have a lot of camps. They play a lot of games. And I do think uh, one of the things that I felt like was happening, especially I thought this game took 30 minutes to really settle into it, like for either team. Mm -hmm. They didn't really look themselves or like threatening until 30 minutes. Just sloppiness, I think, for, for both both teams and decision-making. And so I think it's, it is just a little bit of not having that continuity that they get camp in and camp out and, and knowing um, what those relationships and how those relationships have developed within training sessions to be able to translate that onto the field. So um, I don't know, it was a, it was a weird game. I think when it comes to decision-making and maybe movement off the ball and the attacking third for the United States, I think that lacked a little bit. But because it lacked, I think it's going to be like they're a team where they're going to be like, OK, well, this has to be better. So I, I'm I'm imagining just so much more um, creative movement in the attacking third here for this game against Brazil on Sunday. If people are trying to keep an eye on that, this is I feel like you and Joe do a very good job of this with MLS assist is like explaining what to look for or how to watch for certain mm-hmm. things. Like what would that look like to you if there is more attacking movement, if the United States is being right. a little bit more fluid or creative? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it, it'll, um, it might look a little different just because of the way that I saw Brazil defending. They were defending in a 4-4-2 block. So I do, from Canada in this game, they're in the more of a 4-5-1. So there's a lot of players in that central part of the field. The U.S. is going to outnumber Brazil centrally in this in this game on, on Sunday. So I think you're going to find a lot more um, little darting movements from the midfielders, either right between the the two center players for Brazil or in behind the back line. I think that's going to be open a little bit more. I do think Carly Lloyd is going to come up if she's playing in that position coming off the back line. And I I think that it's going to set up for better uh, overload situations in the channels. So continue to look for can players get into the channels in numbers that are um, above Brazil, say it's a 3v2 situation on the left side, I think the channels are going to be a little bit more open, um, whereas Canada really locked down the channels, I felt like. All right. And who do you who do you most want to see in, in this uh, game against Brazil? Who do you, for whatever reason, either because you want to yeah. see them do a defensive job? It sounds like Midge Purse is on that list, but uh, any other names that you'd like to see either get a start or get more minutes? Well, it's funny you said that. And the first player I thought is Dabinia, because if you're not watching Dabinia, <laughs> then you're crazy. Um, so I thought Brazil first. I'm sorry. That's, no, no, no. That's fair, too. Yeah, let's we can talk about that as well, because uh, yeah, we've only but, talked hold about on, them let a me little. Go, let me go to the U.S. first. Sure. Um, 
let's see here. Dubinia is the correct answer, though, for what it's worth. I, I you, it you're is. absolutely right. If you're not watching NWSL and Dubinia, and uh, then you're crazy. So I'm just going to throw that in there. That's such Gosh, a good answer. It's, <laughs> it's so difficult because this team, I mean, no other team can go to the bench and bring on who mm. they brought on. Alex Morgan, Rose Lavelle, yeah, that's um, unfair. Kristen, Kristen Press. Press. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. I, I would... I would like to see, I'll say Kristen Press. I would like to see Kristen Press maybe start instead of Megan Rapino and come in and see what she can do. Um, because what I found interesting too is a lot of the times when the U.S. attack in the channel, it's not necessarily their wingers who are attacking. It is one of those midfielders. So their wingers tuck in and almost become like a three front against the back line. And when you have Kristen Press, Carly Lloyd, and it was Lynn Williams against those two center backs are, are, are now a, a back line for Brazil who's going to have to adapt to that. Um, that's not the overload I would want in front of my goal. So um, <laughs> I'm going to say Kristen Press. And I wasn't really impressed with her movement off the ball when she came in. You could tell she was studying what had happened. And her little runs in behind the back line were so well-timed. And, and she probably should have gotten a goal there on that assist or ball from Lindsay Horan. So I'm going to go with Kristen Press. All right. I like that. And then for Brazil, is it just Dabinia? Oh, gosh. I do like... Um, I, I do like Tamaris, their outside left back. She is an interesting player to me because she does like to get forward and uh, be creative and attacking minded, but she's not my number one. I mean, yeah. Dubinia's my number one. <laughs> she's so fun. <laughs> uh, I think my, my final question for you, I saw a number of different uh, media members talking about Vlatko's notebook, uh, and I'm very much on the outside of that inside joke. So I wanted to ask you if, if you were yeah. more familiar with, with what that was all about. Okay, what I understand of Vlatko's notebook is during the NWSL Challenge Cup in the summer, he was at every game and he was there in the stands evaluating. You know, what a great what a great time for a, a national team coach to see so many games at once. Oh, yeah. And, right? And to see them oh, all yeah. playing and, and new players because some players didn't decide to play. And it was just, I think, a really good opportunity for him. So being Vlatko, he, he needed to take notes. And I felt like every time... I think this is where it happened. Every time the camera would go up to him, he's like writing in his notebook, like, dear diary, I like number 23 on uh, OL Rain. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, so I, I think what happened is the NWSL fans and the women's soccer fans in the United States are just so hilarious and so wild. And they latched onto that and they created a Twitter account and basically were like saying what Vlaco was writing in his notebook. And um, that's where it started. And so now I think it's just, it's never going to leave him. It's just like you're, you're conjecturing what maybe he's writing down. And usually they're really funny things. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we need, we need some way, like there needs to be some sort of heist. I need to know what's in there. I hope it is just like number 23, yeah, I mean, OL Rain with like a heart around it. But I feel like it's probably more <laughs> tactical and precise. Oh, for sure. Uh, it, it really is. It was just funny how the, the fans took it and ran with it in a comical way yeah all right well jordan i really appreciate you taking the time to make sense of that game because again i think i was just sort of going and be like oh they're gonna win three nil and when it's nil nil at yeah. halftime it's that feeling of like oh this is a disaster and why isn't this working and that doesn't look right and it's really easy to focus in on those negative things forgetting that like 
there's an opponent being very defensive and causing them problems, and that's what they need to figure things out. So I appreciate you putting the not even positive spin, but just a more logical perspective on things. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm, I'm happy to help, Taylor. <laughs> thanks for chat. Thanks for letting me chat about it. Of course. Uh, I feel like you are you are doing many different things. Mm. Uh, I feel like you are you are like if you're a busy person. So how how much stuff have you got going on now? What's up next for you? Um, so I'll finish the She Believes Cup um, next week. Uh, but doing a podcast with Joe Lowry, you're, you're good, pal. Um, MLS assist. And we're just, we're pumped now that we know the start of MLS season. Um, so we can kind of get set and ready to do that because him and I are nerds and we love to talk about tactics. Um, so doing that and then, yeah, it's really all just leading up to potentially some Champions League work um, and then the start of MLS season. And you're still going to be doing the, the, the work with the crew? Yep. So I'm still with the Columbus crew, which will be awesome. So many, I mean, what an off season for us after yeah. MLS Cup to, to bring in some really key players. And it's going to be an exciting year. New stadium. The fans are reignited and amazing and just the best. So I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. This conversation is uh, via Skype. You're only hearing the audio. I can see Jordan's face. The like, glee on her face as she's <laughs> describing these things is, is uh, tremendous and terrific. So Jordan, yeah, thank yeah. you for that and for the, uh, the analysis and insight today. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Taylor. All right, listeners, we will talk to you again. Uh, I think, Jordan, uh, is is it okay to say that you will be back uh, in the near future to talk a little more She Believes? Well, I'm putting yeah, you on the spot here. All right, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> appreciate that. Well, until then, uh, thank you for being here, Jordan. Listeners, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you all again very soon. 